So hi, welcome to the Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... Mike Maines. And we have some questions today about the upcoming album, Memory Unfixed. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to the announcement so far? So far, so good. It's always nerve-wracking. I, I do still make music primarily as a form of kind of therapy and... Uh, self-medication but i would be lying if i said i didn't want people to enjoy it or connect with it um i it's encouraging when people do for sure oh yeah this album rocks these songs are so fucking solid uh-huh thank you Hell so yeah. much oh yeah oh yeah uh, so is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art yeah so we i had i had struggled through so many different titles like all the songs that were on the record um i was i typically i I always name the album last it feels like the the final bow that i tie around the album at the end Mm -hmm. or if i was a painter it'd be like my little signature at the bottom corner or something yeah um and every idea um that i had leading up to it just never stuck long enough and then our dear friend anna nanez who had designed the album artwork for our album when we're in love announced this new painting and art store that she had online with all these beautiful, beautiful paintings that she had made. And uh, one of the paintings was titled memory unfixed. And I saw the painting and I went, well, that's the name of the record. And I have to have that painting. And I want that painting to be the album cover. And, um, that's what we did <laughs> uh, and uh, and Anna is just such a sweet sweet soul and I'm I'm really excited that our our album gets to to showcase her her art oh yeah absolutely yeah. what a fucking coincidence right yeah. that's awesome. crazy oh, yeah. yeah hell yeah um so you can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for the album yeah the let's see here I wrote a lot with one of my close collaborators, Nathan Hurst, um, who produced the record with me. We This is the first album I co-produced on. Um, and uh, I, I collaborated with another guy, a few guys in Nashville, Jeff Duncan, who's a beautiful soul, Jacob Vanyo, Randy Kent, all just a bunch of different, really great, accomplished songwriters and producers in Nashville. And then Nathan and I, I guess you could say kind of executive produced that we just sifted through a pile of a lot of different demos and songs that I'd written by myself with other writers in town, as well as the songs that Nathan and I had written. And there were a lot of songs that didn't make it less because we felt they weren't strong enough and more because it felt like these songs all uh shared a lot of the same blood and dna it's almost I, I feel like writing the writing of a record as well as the the recording of an album feels almost like a you're an archaeologist you're kind of digging some days you find like one bone other days you find like this entire city and it felt like as we dug we began to recognize oh these songs feel like they all belong together and they all mm-hmm. come from the same place mm-hmm. that makes sense gotcha so what song off this album took longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? Longest to write. Uh, the longest to write, I would say, would, would be always for 
<clears throat> Always My Forever. I started that one right after we released our last album, When We Were In Love, and, and began writing that on, let's see, early 2019. Um, and then I for, and then I forgot about it. And we, when we moved to Nashville, I, I, I booked a co-write with my friend Randall and I, and I went just kind of, I went in cold. I didn't have any ideas. And he goes, do you have, you know, do you have anything that you brought today? And as soon as he asked, I remembered, oh, well, I've got this chorus and this verse from something I've been working on a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So, th- so that, that was the one that took the longest because I, I started it and forgot about it. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite one, um, I think it is, is got to be losing my head. Um, that one, I feel like I, when George Floyd was murdered, I, there was something that really changed in me in terms of the way that I feel responsible to addressing systemic racism and injustice. Um, Leading up to that point, I'd always felt like I'm not here to be a politician and shut up and play your music, you know? Um, But I was really, really pissed off and I wanted to write a song that expressed that. Um, And so I, I don't know. And, And I think another reason why I was like really nervous um about writing that song or or being a part of that kind of conversation is i also recognize no one needs another white guy with a guitar and a savior complex mm-hmm. um which is is certainly <laughs> like not what i'm trying to do either um but my wife is incredible and she's she's been such a huge help and a guide to me mm-hmm. and even she i i had showed her the song and she goes you finally did it, you know, and, and that, that felt really good to call out the church. Um, I feel like the American church in particular is um, in the way that they responded to it. It happened to George Floyd was just, that was the final nail in the coffin for me of being like, clearly this is not about walking in love, truth, and constant mm-hmm. forgiveness. This is about maintaining power. Yep. Um, and, and shoving people uh, into um, whatever box that you're trying to keep them in and prevent them from being equal. And yeah. I was I was mad as hell about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so and, and people seem to be responding to it. And, and that's always a good sign. And, and I hope that it, it can at least be something that leads to a conversation that I think needs to continue happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just humbled to be a part of, of hopefully, hopefully helping that conversation. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so how did the track list for the album come about? Did you write the opener to the opener, close <clears throat> be a closer? Did you shuffle around and see what fits? What was that process like? Lots of shuffling. Our booking agent is actually, I, it's kind of funny. So I've known our booking agent since he started coming to shows when he was like 14 years old. Um, and then he went to college and became our booking agent maybe five years ago. Um, and he's really hands-on. Like, he loves the band. He's a huge fan. I think he's been to over 45 
shows. God damn. So he's, he always reminds me, he's like, I'm your booking agent, but I'm also your biggest fan, and don't you forget it. You know? It's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. So I'll send him the demos, and he's always telling me the ones that he likes and doesn't like. But then with the last two albums, he'll he'll come to me and go, I hear, I know that this is what you think the track listing should be, but I listen to it, and here's all the reasons why I think that's wrong. This is what it should actually be. <laughs> so um, we, his track listing was originally with losing my head first or not yeah losing my head first and then lost boys is the last track on the record Mm -hmm. um so we kept everything on the album the same with the exception of we we flipped lost boys from dead last to first Mm -hmm. because it just felt like um the, the right move and and brandon our agent still gives me gives me shit for it <laughs> and we release it brandon's version yeah. which is- exactly it's <laughs> awesome uh so would you be able to tell us where headspace is at while you're creating this record oh man uh dark uh, i think is, is a great adjective i mean everything started months before the pandemic and then was was written and completed kind of through and just after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I was in a really uh, just a really dark place because I I moved to Nashville because I had fallen into writing songs for television and film and for with other artists and producing. Um, and I I was really grateful for that. I'd finally kind of found a sustainable way to continue making music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a another conversation happening all good. <laughs> beside me here in this random suburb of Dallas. Um, but I had gotten to this place where I had felt like I had climbed to the top of a ladder that was besides the one that I, I wanted to be on. Mm-hmm. Um and so a lot of the songs that made the record were these like journal entries I was making in between writing songs with and for other people and producing other artists. Um, so in that way, it was a really sacred process for me to, to have that, that ability to process and write songs without really thinking about any how they would perform commercially Mm -hmm. um it was just a for the sake of processing what i was experiencing um but yeah i would say overall it was a very a very dark and difficult period Mm -hmm. for me during that season and you mentioned like you know writing commercially versus writing for yourself is the pressure kind of off when you're writing for yourself even like no matter what the subject is of the song is the pressure kind of off because like you you don't have to think about like how it's going to perform on a on a commercial level in some ways yes um because i'm not i'm not writing branches songs um because i'm I'm trying to to pay my bills, you know, versus like I I had a song that I wrote that was in this Channing Tatum movie called Dog. And I remember being like, okay, cool. Like I'll land that check and that will kind of take care, take care of everything for six to eight months or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very calculated and methodical and strategic about how I write those types of songs. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, when I'm writing my band's music, I, I understand the parameters of pop. Uh, I understand like kind of some of the things that you need to do to, to keep a song palatable for a listener. But I never got into the business of songwriting to get rich and famous. I got into it because I was a kid from the Midwest who's been on my own since I was 15 and music saved my life. And so it's still, for me, I feel like I'm, my band is able to maintain substance both on the record. And welcome to this Mike Means interview. If I never hear from you again and you never want to do another interview, I'm alive. <laughs> 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 no, you're all good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. But they're very much, um, I feel a sense of freedom in, in writing my, my music that I don't and others. And I'm, I'm noticing as I move, as I move forward, even with collaborators on my band's material, when things like, well, we should maybe try to do this. So it, it has the ability to be like a hit. That is like, I hate that kind of crap. Because um, some people are really chasing hits and I've seen what hits can do, but I'm not really interested in being the guy at some trendy festival who has a bunch of college kids like waiting for the very last song, which is the only one anyone gives a shit about. Then all the iPhones come out and then no one cares. Like, yeah, that's no fun. I, I would much rather have songs that maybe aren't these massive chart toppers, but when, when I go and I play shows for the, for the rooms that we're in, like my fans know every word to every song. Um, yeah. And so in, in that way, I, I feel a lot of, a lot of gratitude for that. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? Should you do in the car with friends and dark with headphones on is workout album, party album. What do you personally recommend? Ooh, I would say the answer is probably different depending on the person, but I I like in the dark with headphones on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely an album that people can get lost in. Hell yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, so this one should be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words. No more, no less. Wild and three okay. all right perfect hell yeah. perfect hell yeah uh so in that same train of thought is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album just connection um i no, i don't think i didn't write it with like a specific emotion i wanted people to experience i i my one of my heroes um jack antonoff says uh he goes you know, the only thing that matters is that it evokes an emotion. And, and, and so if you get into the studio the next day and you listen to something and it doesn't evoke an emotion, then fuck it, delete everything. So that's, for me, I have a deeply emotional connection to every song on the record. Mm-hmm. And because I was in a really emotional state when I recorded those songs, I guess the hope that would be people can, can connect with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so are you able to talk about any particularly challenging or standout moments from the creation of this album, positive or negative? Yeah. 
<clears throat> I would say the negative part was how how cobbled together everything was, right? We couldn't, for, for the vast majority of the record, none of us could be in the same room. So I would write a song or do a Zoom session with Nathan or a Zoom session with another co-writer, track an acoustic and a vocal and then send it to a drummer. He would track drums, then send it to bass, then guitar. My wife and I would do keys and final vocals at the house. So it that was just a lot of administrative work and a lot of back and forth because if if I don't like the bass line or if there's something about the guitar part that I don't like, it's a lot more cumbersome than if the person is in the room with you. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it's it, it's also beautiful in that we we somehow managed to make a record that feels like a band playing music together even though we very rarely set foot in the same room while we made it. Yeah. Was there, I would assume there was like a learning curve for you doing the zoom sessions and, and were you doing them not just for this, but also like your, your commercial stuff as well? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I had purchased some, some decent like microphones and studio outboard gear and, and honestly didn't really, really know what I was doing. So that learning curve is like talking to my producer and saying like, I don't really know how compressors work. How should I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, how does EQ work? How do preamps work? Um, and so that that was pretty steep, but also a blessing because now, I, now that I have those skills, they, they've come in helpful for a lot of what I'm doing now, which is producing other artists as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've noticed, I've noticed a lot of that birthed out of the pandemic, like a lot of studios and a lot of new producers and stuff because everybody was just at home fiddling with shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so for this question, once you picture you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Ooh. Uh, a Perrier, which isn't a snack, but that's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. And then delicious. secondly, they're so good. Or a Topo Chico. I'll do Topo Chico over Perrier every day of the week if I can get it. I love Topo. And then pistachios. Oh, fuck yeah. Pistachios. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in with that one. Hell yeah, I fucking love pistachios. Yeah. Uh, so on the topic of food, if the project was a dish, what dish would the project be and why? Ooh. Cacio e Pepe. A lovely, lovely Italian dish, uh, a Roman dish in particular that we had, my wife and I had with some friends when we went to Italy for a couple of weeks earlier this summer. It's noodles, butter, cream, salt and pepper. That's it. Mm -hmm. Very few ingredients, Mm -hmm. very simple dish, but it is delicious. And that's, it mirrors my musical philosophy. I'm a kid that grew up on rap and punk rock mm. and there is a unapologetic simplicity to that music um that i i really try to maintain oh yeah, oh, yeah. isn't oh. that just a the the back to the food isn't that just like the original version of uh alfredo i think i the right thing? i think you're thinking of the right thing that's what i thought it was but mm-hmm. they don't really as far as what I know, they don't really call it Alfredo over there. Yeah. I think so Americans kind of did that and then added a bunch of cream and like fucking. You like, got it. 
fake cheese and shit to it and was like, here you go, this Americanized is Italian it. food. Yeah. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's really, really good. I really want to fucking try it. <laughs> um, so for the last couple of questions, going to shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Sausage, biscuits, and gravy. Mm. Glass of really nice red wine. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Crazy combo. Crazy combo. (laughs) (laughs) So if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? Oh, man. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Jedi or Sith? Ooh. Jedi. 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 All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so I've not asked the last question. Every single person that we've spoken to have said that is the most important question. What's your favorite color? Blue. Specific shade of blue? Um, baby blue. Nice. Or like soft blue. Whatever the color of my my guitar is, it like this blue. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. Killer blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I said, that's all the questions we have to say. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, please listen to the album. <laughs> uh, I'm just grateful. I, I mean, it, for me, it's, it's every, every day is a gift. Uh, an old pastor that used to say every day above ground is a gift. And, uh, everything is hinged on gratitude. So for me, the fact that I, I still get to do music is just such an honor. So I'm grateful for, for both of you. And I'm just really thankful for anybody who would care to listen and support and, means it means more to me oh yeah oh yeah all right well thank you for now it's been mike mains and the branches and we have been the good noise podcast